0: Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. You, I am super happy to share this episode today. It was a really fun conversation and I'm gonna give you a warning. If it bugs you that I keep asking guests about their hair, then you're gonna hate a full minute of this episode. I couldn't help it. I am at such a crossroads with hair and all of you have fabulous hair and I just don't know what to do. Anyway, yes, our guest has fabulous hair, Fortunately, she also has strong advice on how to step up and take control of projects. Spoiler alert, it all comes back to discipline, right? You can have all the talent in the world, but you also need to be assertive, stick to your boundaries, be able to stand up to trades and to clients, and sometimes you even have to do a task or a job you don't really want to do. You just have to get it done. All of that relies on discipline. Our guest is interior designer Maria Viola Cutruff and she is from Pennsylvania, which is very, very high on my bucket list. I am so eager to explore this area, and so I literally invited myself to come and visit her. In addition to the self-serving portions of the episode, I do share what I think is the most valuable question I have in my toolkit when it comes to getting trades and contractors to come to the table with solutions when we're facing a problem. So you have to listen to the episode, the questions in there. I think it's something you should memorize and keep with you and use it as often as possible. I certainly do. This is episode 226 of Business of Design. You're in the right place. We're talking about what you need beyond talent. And the designer, again, is Maria Viola Cutruff. Let me tell you about Maria, and then we're going to check in with Cheryl Horn and get right into the episode. Viola Interior Design was established in 2005. It's an award-winning boutique firm, and it has been designing distinctive homes for years. The owner, principal, Maria Viola Katruff, believes in helping clients understand the importance of warm and inviting spaces that look beautiful and function well. Maria received her master's degree in interior architecture and design from Drexel University, She teaches extensively at Antoinette Westfall College of Media Arts and Design, also at Drexel University. She remains grounded in academia, but she is alive to new trends. Maria's work ranges from custom furniture design to office spaces to a renovation of an entire residence. And as part of Philadelphia's new guard of interior designers, she has the ability to combine modern and traditional balancing scale and proportion, always with a twist that raises her projects above the ordinary. You definitely want to check out her website. I did gorgeous stuff, violainteriordesign.com. And thank you so much for being here. When are we going to get to hang out? I'm just done being alone. You know what I mean? I literally invited myself to Pennsylvania. I am so ready to hit the road and have some fun. I suspect that is true for a lot of us. Cheryl, are you ready to travel like I am?
1: Is there some destination that's calling to you? You know what? At this point, I think I would settle for just like a weekend away at the cottage, but I'm guessing my next trip will probably not be until next year when I, you know, get to go to Santa Monica for the retreat. That'll, oh. That's probably my next trip, trip, which is really far away, That's I really uh, still far something to look forward to it I is. think we
0: need to kidnap you and go somewhere else. We, we need to go somewhere else. I feel that we just, we don't, you think we do really well when we do a planning meeting somewhere else?
1: We do. And you know what, you know, uh, Janine in California keeps going, uh, for like week long camping trips in her, uh, van. So that actually sounds awesome to me.
0: Oh, so maybe we need to kidnap you and just like drive to Bryce Canyon in Utah and just do a business of design planning
1: session there. That sounds awesome. Like I'll sit around a campfire or something.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be in charge of cocktails if you'll take care of cooking. I have no desire to yes. cook anything ever again in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough about that. What's going on at Business of Design?
1: Well, uh, this week, June 16th, we've got BOD Live. Um, we're going to be joined by Mike Michalowicz of Profit First to do our next book club. So uh, this one was actually um, on the list by member request really early on. So uh, we're looking forward to this. We planned it a while ago.
0: He's awesome. I have to finish reading the book. Uh, It's of course it's gonna be down to the wire, but I will do it.
1: (laughs) Well, and you did a podcast interview with him a few months ago. So if you haven't read the book, make sure you check out the podcast episode. And whether or not you've read the book, it's gonna be a great conversation. So please make sure that you join us. Again, it's June 16th at 1 PM EST. And if you're a member, just log into your uh, dashboard and click the link to join and uh, participate in the conversation live.
0: Can't wait. Thank you so much, Cheryl. No
1: problem. We'll talk to you soon. Pack your bag. I, I will. I will. <laughs> Bye.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
0: nice to speak to you today. You too. I, I know that um, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a while and we agree, right? It takes more than talent and hard work to be successful. So oh Maria, what <laughs> have you discovered for yourself it, during your career as an interior design professional in terms of what it takes beyond the raw talent to make a success as a business owner?
3: Well, it takes discipline and um, some of us have that, some of us don't. It takes a good support system. It takes, um, and that support system comes in terms of, it might be staff, if you can afford staff. It might be, well, I it is the contractors. You know, as I mentioned in my note to you, the contractors you work with and you choose to work with. Um, and it is trying to discern what clients are a good fit for you and that has been painful at times Kimberly as you know I mean I've been listening to you for years now and I know your story and um, it takes sometimes just you know learning what the flags are when you're on a conversation with a client from the very beginning Sometimes you have that luxury. Sometimes you don't. It depends on where you are in your business. Right. It also takes just uh, being seasoned enough to know what to listen for. Um, and then it also takes figuring out when am I going to do my creative end and when am I going to do my business end? And you know, like, as we all know, it's 80-20. Um, and I say that when I interview prospective um, team members, I say like, I just want to be certain that you are aware that in residential design uh, it is not like all kicks and giggles. It's um, there's many times that this office is running at a very high level. Things are stressful. We're doing a lot of paperwork. We're not picking beautiful things. We're like doing technical drawings or picking, you know, what's the next piece of paperwork we're going to fill out, which is not exciting. But um So I've learned to condition people that come in for job interviews about that because I've had some experiences where people are walking into a residential design firm thinking that, you know, since we're not commercial and we're not um, healthcare, that we're going to just have like loads of fun. Every
0: day, I I find they come in thinking (laughs) they're going to do my job, which is go source fabric and go source the furniture, right? And go pick the pretty tiles. I'm like, no, actually, that's that I get to do that. I'm that's 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 what I've chosen to do for myself. You're going to do all the things that allow me to do that. That's correct. Do you think I'm I'm beginning to wonder if maybe all roads don't lead back to discipline because. I know the good client from the not so good client, but it takes discipline for me to turn down the wrong job, mm. right? Yes, and it I does. I know be good behavior from my contractor and bad behavior, or you know, barely passable behavior from my contractor or a trade, But it takes discipline for me to say, "Wait a minute, stop." let's have this conversation. I don't like confrontation any more than anybody else does. So maybe it's all about discipline. That was the first thing that came out of your mouth. So in what ways have you had to be disciplined then as the owner of a business?
3: Um, first and foremost, doing things when I don't feel like doing them. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yes! Hello, Monday. Right. Yes. I mean, there are times when I'm like, Maria, sorry, honey, you just got to do it. And that could be what that is, could be a difficult conversation I have to have with somebody. It could be that I have to answer a ton of emails that some of which I might have answered already and have to follow up again. Um, Some of it might be, you know, making sure I have, My team meetings every Monday with my staff, even if I feel like, oh, my God, I just want to keep plowing through this stuff. I don't want to break for a team meeting. Um, So it's 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 all of those things. And, you know, what, Kimberly? the more I work with outside people um, could be a bookkeeper. It could be um, the contractor. It could be a fabric rep. I can tell who has a commitment to discipline and who does not. Yeah. Because I can tell simply because nobody feels like they have enough hours in a day, right? I mean, it's rare you meet somebody that's working full-time that feels like they have enough hours in a day. When somebody keeps saying to me, oh, I didn't have time for that, I think, okay, well, we could all say that, but yeah. sometimes you just have to go the extra mile and and you get it done. And you say, I said I was gonna do this, well, I have to do it now. Um, so, you know, now that I've been doing this so long, I I can see in other people, okay, I can tell that person, just, you know, she wants to wrap up at three o'clock in the afternoon and, or he, and they don't care whether they've returned the call they said they were gonna return, they're, they're done. Three o'clock came, they're done, they'll do it another time. That's not my personality, um, which can be good and bad. But, um, you know, my thought is, well, I'll leave after I get these things done that I told people I said I would get done.
0: Well, you learn to be really clear about what your commitments are. I agreed to do this thing and therefore I have to do it. And I find sometimes, you know, going back to you know, Monday morning and I'm looking at all the things on my desk, what I want to do is I want to go pick pretty fabric for the next project on deck for that. But what I need to do is review some quote requests, you know, review the drawing package for the 88th time, deal with the contractor who didn't do what he was supposed to do on Tuesday and now it's caused a ripple effect, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I was going to say, do you think you're just wired to be the kind of person who can be your word and have discipline, or do you think it's something that anybody could learn?
3: Oh my gosh, that is such a great question. I would say that primarily it's in your DNA. Um, However, if you are someone that doesn't like pain, that you could perhaps learn it because you will quickly find out that if you, don't, if you don't keep your word and do what you need to do, you will suffer more than anybody else because it's going to manifest itself in one of two ways. People will no longer trust you and or they will, they'll no longer trust you and you'll stop getting requests or things will fall through the cracks and someone is going to come at you <laughs> one way or another. So you you have to you have to consider those things. And if if you're the type of person that can slough that off and be like, no, I don't care, I, you know, you have a you have a you know, you have a the ability to really not think, let things get to you. You could continue with bad habits. You really could because you could put those in a box and keep moving forward. If you're somebody that feels things deeply and, has, and has, feels a sense of responsibility deeply, you will not continue that behavior. Yeah.
0: I get anxious even thinking about being able to continue with that behavior and the ripple effect of your what what would happen all the way down the line on projects if you had that kind of laissez-faire attitude of like, uh, whatever. I remember being really surprised when I had a, a business coach and she called me one day and it was 10 minutes until one o'clock, let's say our appointment is at one o'clock, it was 10 minutes to one. And she called and said, I'm going to be two minutes late. I said, Oh, don't be silly. Just, it's fine, whatever. And then it happened again uh, another time. And it was like, I'm going to be about three minutes late. I'm like, you don't have to call me when you're three She's (laughs) like, yeah, I do. Because I have to be my word every day. You Mm -hmm. have to know that you can count on me and rely on me. And that was really a powerful moment for me where I realized like, even being on time to a meeting, I have to be my word with the clients and with trades and with staff.
3: That is true. And I... I will say, you know, designers live very dynamic lives. You're busy. You're juggling a million things. There's so many moving parts. Um, And it's easy for your day to get backed up, especially if you're in one meeting, it spills over. You're supposed to get to another meeting. So I do call my clients and I'll say, I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. And they have the same reactions. Yeah, no, no worries. Like no big deal. But I can't stand the anxiety of thinking oh my god they're waiting for me and I'm not there on time so on one hand yes I know there lateness is something that is is inherent in our field because like I said there's just so many different things and sometimes you're at the mercy of someone else in a meeting um, so, there, you know, you just have to get used to the fact that you should call and say, I'm going to be late.
0: And it comes back to discipline, right? If you're in the middle of a meeting that's going long, you have to say, I'm going to have to stop now. Yes. Because I'm supposed to be somewhere else. So let me get in yes. touch with that client and see if we can delay our meeting. If not, I'm going to have to end, no matter where we're at, right? That's
3: right. That's right. And I'll say sometimes, I just, when I walk into the meeting, I just want to let everybody know I, I have a hard stop at, you know, X time. So, you know, I am going to have to scoot out, you know, where no matter where we are in the meeting. And people are usually fine with that.
0: I find that's really helpful to me too, if I'm anxious about the amount of time I have, if I'm worried, to just say it right up front. Yeah. I, you know, I would love to have three hours for today, but unfortunately I have, you know, 45 minutes and we're going to get this done because we're going to launch yes. right in. And
3: Oh, and then people don't, they don't dilly dally. And they don't, they're not caught off by surprise when you're like, oh,
0: you know what? I got to go. And
3: they're like, what?
0: Yeah. And if you're charging a lot of money, they like it. They're like, good. Yeah. Because I don't need to chit chat with you. Right? That's right. Are we done yet? As a female entrepreneur in what is still largely dominated by men in terms of construction and trades and that kind of thing, where have you run into um, areas where you've had to be really disciplined with project managing or team managing that's
3: such a great question again um which is why you're an interviewer (laughs) (laughs) among many other things Um, so as a female so okay i you know i have a strong personality but i don't have an aggressive personality And what I mean by that is, luckily, I grew up in a family where my father was um, very, it's amazing, because when I was a little girl in the 70s, he was saying things to me like, Maria, you know you can be anything you want, right? Because I remember when I was seven years old, he asked me what I wanted to be. I said an actress, and he was like, an actress? I didn't know what I was talking about, Kimberly. I think I heard my older sister say And um, he's like, Maria, you could be a CEO of a company if you wanted to. He's like, you could be a physician if you wanted to. And I was like, oh, all right. So that he instilled that in me early on. And um, so I'm not a shrinking violet. However, I do have other... Um, remnants of that era, which are, you're female, you gotta be sweet and nice. Um, and that was not necessarily instilled by how I grew up, is more instilled by just the culture of yeah, that time period. Yeah. and um, And also I'm inherently nice, <laughs> inherently a people pleaser. Um, which hopefully I'm getting a little bit away from that to a certain extent, I hope, because that creates some problems. But um, So when I first started meeting with contractors, when I first broke out on my own, um, I um, was nice to a fault. And when they would tell me when they would get like, gruff with me. Like I was wasting their time. I would like shrink. I would, um, conform to the way they wanted it done. Oftentimes I would hear, no, no we, we can't do that. No, <laughs> we cannot do that, that. And I came to learn, I came to figure out, and I tell my staff this now, and I said, when a contractor says that to you, 99% of the time means he either doesn't know how or he just doesn't feel like it
0: or he it does. already went past the point of no return to do that thing and he wants to make it easier on himself right that's correct we had a yep. situation last week or i was in LA and we want our light fixtures at 42 on i mean so our light switches at 42 on center And it was very clear in all the drawings 42 on center. I get there, they're 46 on center. I'm like, what's happening? And the electrician said, oh, 42 on center is not to code in Los Angeles. Really? So I'm like, huh, (laughs) hold on a minute. I pull up my phone, I Google the code. I'm like, look at that. I guess you haven't looked at the code in a while. So you're moving them all. Like, I don't care. (gasps) But they'll do that, right? They'll say, oh, you can't, that's not to code. We can't, we can't do it that way. I'm so glad you spot-checked them I was, and it was like... was lucky, right? Because we haven't yes. we have been doing a lot by Zoom and a lot by FaceTime. Ah. I just happened to be there and said, uh, these look high. What's going on with them? And, you know, so mm. I might have missed it. But I do find that they'll do that sometimes. They'll say, oh, it can't be done. You know my favorite question that I will ask, and it works really well with the male trades in your life. And I know I'm like just grossly generalizing here. But when they tell me something can't be done, I will always say, oh, is this an insurmountable problem? Mm. And then I watch them and they're like, oh, they don't want, they don't want to be, you know, <laughs> they don't want to be accused of not being able to solve a problem. So it's like, well, no, we could do this. Ah, there we go. Let's do that. That is right? a great
3: tip. It's going to be. Yes. I,
0: at one point, I thought I'm going to tattoo it on my inner arm. Is this an insurmountable problem and they will rise to the challenge and you haven't offended them.
3: That's right. And what I often say is I'll say, I'll, I'll try to put things more into a polite directive rather than a question. I'll say to them, this is what I need you to do. And then they'll, you know, we'll have a dialogue. The good contractors are the ones that welcome the dialogue and are, re, are agreeable or reasonable at the very least. The bad ones are the ones that they think everything's a pain. They think designers, they hate working with designers and they make that clear early on. And again, from experience, what I've learned is they don't like working with designers because that means that they can't just like slop through a job, pack their tools and leave. Right. It's like, no, you're going to be held accountable. You you are going to be interrupted from time to time because we do, we check up on things. We go to the site. We we don't wait till everything's done. I mean, we are going there and we start off by meeting with the contractor in the place, going over everything, making sure we're all on the same page. Then we're, we say to them, okay, now we're going to come back midweek for a progress check and so forth and so on. So some of them don't like that because right. they think, Oh God, now I gotta like, now the ones that I use all the time are used to me and used to the way I work. Right. However, there are times when a client wants to use a contractor they've used before. Um, that's fine with me. Of course, the is on the client, I, you know, I'm not going to take responsibility for anything the contractor does. Um, but the the that doesn't mean that they're a good contractor. The client may like them for whatever reason, but depending on the size of the project, they things can go really off the rails, and that has happened in in my experience, and it's it's awful. Yeah. Um, so.
0: And it just reminds me that I'm the and when it's when it comes to a meeting with between the clients and the designer. The designer is the only person who knows how to run a project. The client doesn't have a clue how to run a project. So Correct. I have to be the one to say, we insist on weekly site check meetings, yes. progress site checks meetings. So it doesn't matter if the client wants to save money. We're not doing it without those because in the long run, that would never save money.
3: No. And most of my clients, thankfully, are they love to hear that because they think, oh, good, better you than me.
0: Right. I know. Um,
3: exactly. <laughs> And um you know, every once in a while, a client will say, oh, that doesn't need to happen. But again, that's where the trouble can start, you know, because then they don't even know what to look for sometimes. And it's not to no fault of their own. That's not their job. Um, so it's, it's of utmost importance. I mean, unless somebody's changing a light bulb, then I don't need to be there. But um, other than that, I, I, we need to check in on things.
0: Yeah, we do. I I don't know if I when I was in design school if I had actually known what was involved, it, the it, the description of reality might have turned me off. You know, I you know, I definitely mm. went into design design school thinking I was going to be shopping with other people's money. That was <laughs> that's what I was going to do. Um, but I'm so glad I hung in there. (laughs) Like it turns out that it is fun, but there's a transition that has to happen for me when I'm, when I'm in that mode of the 80%, I'm sort of, I don't want to say I'm robotic, but I'm, I'm just much more, it doesn't take a lot of big personality in that 80%. But then when it comes time to do the 20%, sometimes I have to like shake, shake my head a little and loosen up. And you go, do, right? And it just, it's different. You do. And you want to bring that energy to the
3: client and you want to bring it to the project. And you want to, you know, have the client understand that you're enthusiastic about their project. Nobody wants them walking into their house being like, hmm, okay, how you doing? Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> great, in kitchen. <laughs> right. Oh, darn. Um, you know, you want to, you want to be the expert you do want to be taken seriously. I'm a big believer in that. You don't want to come in like you know, you know, somebody that's like completely, you know, just silly and not really doesn't really know what they're doing. So you want to have, you know, an air of um, respectability and authority, but you also have to be pleasant and enthusiastic. And I'm telling you, there is that is a blend that you have to master. And it comes naturally to, I think, a lot of interior designers. So that's good. Um, I I don't know many interior designers that it doesn't come naturally to. They might be somebody that chooses not to maybe run their own firm. You know, you have to have, and different clients, like different personalities.
1: Yeah,
3: I am also at the point in my, um, in my, life as an interior designer my career as an interior designer my um business owning hat that i know that there are clients that seek me out because they've done their research they understand my background and they like my designs if someone is just dialing for designers I can, I'm starting to be able to um, suss that out too. And I'm not interested because then I know that it's not about the design and it's not about me and what I can bring to the table. It's that I'm a, it's a warm body who calls themselves a designer. And, you know, there are a lot of interior designers in my area. There are a lot and there seems to be more every day the good clients will call you because they like your design. Um, and they, even if they're calling a few clients whose a few designers, whose designs they, they like, they're ultimately going to click into you because there was something on the phone call that the discovery call that clicked with them. Um, so, That's important to know too, especially if you're a designer just starting out and you're feeling a little unsure because you're thinking, oh my
0: gosh, the competition is like too great. I find the clients who want the process to meander and they want to get involved and they want to go shopping, they'd never pick me because I'm just not that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, The clients who just want to get it done and don't want to be bothered, that's my client. (laughs) <laughs> me like, too. They're exactly. lovely and they're wonderful people, but they'd rather be on vacation than in a tile store. So you do That's, that, I'll do this, and we're going to get along great.
3: That is very true because that is something that made me realize, you know, there's a lot of talk now about e-design and um, there has been for several years. Yeah. It's it's not for me, no offense against it, but I, and when people call me and ask me about that, I explain to them, I... That's not for me. I my client is the person that I can't even imagine telling them to get their tape measure out. <laughs>
1: right.
3: And measure the room. They'd be like, excuse what? me
0: <laughs> I for you. I know, right? That's
3: right. Yeah. So um, you know, that's been an interesting um segment of our market to watch and see how that. And I keep wondering, is that around? Is that going to stay around? Maybe it will, but you really have to know whether that's your client or not.
0: It's interesting. I've seen people say that they're profitable doing e-design, but I've never actually known a designer who's profitable doing e-design. I have, neither. I don't know who would pay for it because can't you just go on Pinterest and get a look board, a million of them for free? I'm not sure how it's different. I guess you get a floor plan. Maybe you get a a floor
3: plan. You do, but I'll be honest with you. I sometimes recommend to um, people that call about that and we don't get a whole lot of calls about that because I think it's hopefully we've crafted our website and other, uh, and our social media to, to make it known that that's not our that's not our thing. Um, But um, I do mention to clients that they can go to stores like Pottery Barn, Crate and Barrel, Restoration Hardware, and they can get floor plans and um, some design suggestions from the people that work there. The catch, of course, is is that everything's going to come from that store. Um, But, you know, if that's really all they're looking for, then that might be who they should call.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, two really important things before I ask you for your design intervention. Um, Number one is your hair color is fantastic. So tell (laughs) me about that. But number two is the wall color behind you is also really pretty. And I'm looking for a pale blue gray for a client. And that looks like what it might be.
3: This color is called rhinestone and it's Sherwin-Williams.
0: So Beautiful. And yeah. it looks really good with your hair, by the way. Oh, which has, thank you. It's like a bit of flirty red in it. It does. It. Um, <laughs> my
3: hair was long and dark and I just chopped it off um, end of summer and I went, I kept going shorter and now I'm letting it grow in a little. But then about four weeks ago, I said to her, okay, please put a bunch of highlights in it. And I showed her a picture and she said, Maria, I don't know that I can get to where this picture is, um, but I can get you close. And then if we want to go further, we can. So that's what she did. She lightened my base color just by a fraction and then she added honey and copper highlights. So if you want to go get honey and copper highlights,
0: that's what you're going to ask for. (laughs) (laughs) This was a really good conversation. The bad news is it's all about discipline. At the end of the day, like there's just no shortcut. You have to be assertive and you have to stay strong in your boundaries. And that sometimes is easier said than done. But with practice, I think it does get better.
3: Yes, that is absolutely true.
0: We like to end every episode with design intervention. What comes to mind?
3: Hmm. I have two. I would say know thyself, designer, know thyself. <laughs> and my second one is, and this is a tough one because I know what it's like to be hungry and need the money. So I say this with, with an asterisk next to it, but no project is better than a bad project yeah. or no client is better than a bad client. Yeah. So it's really hard to swallow that when you need the work. So I get that. However, it is so true because they will, it will not bode well for your self-esteem or your right. sanity.
0: And good work gets more good work. Good clients That's get correct. more good clients. Yeah. That's correct. But I'm, I know that we always try to be really aware that there could be somebody listening who's just started, doesn't have enough clients, and you're going to take every job that comes your way and there's no shame in that. I, that's exactly what I would do if I was just. Starting.
3: Well, you know what would be really helpful for designers who who are just starting out and and need to take a job that maybe they're not they're sensing something strange or they're they're. I would say baby steps are the answer to that. And what I mean by that is, you sign on in phases with a client. You say, okay, well, let's start with X, Y, and Z. Would you agree to that? and let's just do this portion now, we'll call it phase one, typically a client will say yes to that. Mm -hmm. That way you are not so knee deep into something that you are unsure about. So if you start out slowly, it gives you a nice, because then you you have to revisit the the phases in the contract once you get to the end of that first phase, and that gives you an, an easy out.
0: That's great advice. You can also raise your fee if you need to. Okay. Phase one went well. I'm going to increase my fee for phase two. I have developed some efficiencies that are going to make it go a little bit faster, you know, and have that conversation with people. Yeah. That's really good advice. You're actually, you have a lot of good advice. You're invited to come back anytime you like. Oh, that's great. Thank you. One day I would love to be in Pennsylvania and see some of the mainline homes that you work on. That sounds lovely.
3: Oh, they're extraordinary. Some of them are extraordinarily beautiful because some of them were built, you know, at the turn of the 19th century, even the turn of the 18th century. So they're fantastic.
0: I'm reading um, a book right now called "The Signature of All Things," which I didn't want to read because it was written by Elizabeth Gilbert, and I was not a huge fan of Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, but somebody said it's mm-hmm. nothing like that, and you'll be really surprised. And it's set okay. in 19th century Philadelphia, and just the description of the homes and the customs and the culture—it's really, it's really interesting. And
3: wow, yeah, what is
0: that called? The Signature of All Things.
3: Oh, I'm gonna have I'm to I'm enjoying look at that.
0: it a lot. So there you go. Oh, wow. Just okay. Is it
3: a novel it or is it it's historical fiction? It's okay. a novel.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. But That's that reminds great. me that there's a, that whole. I've not spent any time in Philadelphia, and I've been to so many states. So as soon as this COVID thing. Oh, I'm you have like to come up. and
3: you can be my guest.
0: Oh, I will take you to
3: all the fun places, Kimberly.
0: Will you take me to get my hair done like yours?
3: I will. Oh, I will.
0: (laughs) You'll be my first trip in 2021. Then I'm so excited. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: I'd love to have you. And I'd love to, love to, um, share my secret salon with you. It's a little tiny salon and Not a lot of people know about it.
0: So good! Oh, thank you so so much. Great conversation. You are welcome. Stay healthy.
3: Oh, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for the industry.
0: Oh, thank you.
3: Have a oh, thanks. Have a good afternoon.
2: Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.